Hello, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Why Theory. As always, I am your host, Ryan Angley, joined, as always, by co-host Todd McGowan. Todd, how you doing, buddy? Good, Ryan. Good to talk to you today. Good to talk to you today. And you are, a, um, as Abba would say, a super trooper, because uh, you're not feeling very well. I'm not so, feeling great, but who cares? No one cares. Who cares? No, no one cares. because You know what? And when you're not feeling well, and Happy New Year to everybody, uh, when you're not feeling well, I think it's good to get into topics such as being and uh, oh, what's the I think nothingness, word, right? Yeah, nothingness. nothingness. Yeah, that's it yeah. on the tip of my tongue. Being a nothingness. Yeah. So we're talking today. Uh, we're doing we're going to do um, we might split these up. Not the first two. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of a um, like if, if we were I think if we were disc jockeys for a radio station, we're, we're, we're doing a, a superset of SART. I think that's probably what we would say. Right. Uh, so we're doing a SART superset. Uh, we're doing two uh, the two halves of being a nothingness, and then we're going to talk about critique of dialectical reason. We're probably going to split up that uh, trajectory. Um, the aim, as always, uh, when we try to do these things, is to be uh, representative of the text, not to be comprehensive, because, I mean, there are things... We're going to talk about this. Like, being a nothingness, like, this is a, this is a book. This is a, this 800, a, like, yeah. Yeah. This is a real book. And right. this is it's a book that I said this to Todd in the uh, pre-show. I, I've read this three times and I feel like I haven't read it once. Like there's just a lot. There's just a lot in in this. And uh, we're, I'm very excited to, to get into it. Right. Um, and I mean, it's 800 pages, to too. To, so it's, it, it takes just, it takes just, we're not going to cover everything. Yeah, <laughs> not going to cover everything. It's, 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 it's going to take a while. Um, but I think um, it is worthwhile to, to be uh, really I think uh, global in a sense about this. Yeah. Uh, Sartre is an interesting figure, I think, in uh, the contemporary um, uh, intellectual and theoretical space. Uh, you don't hear uh, th- there's not a ton of, of writing. I think from I think people in our field, and I think like in media studies, uh, I would say any like field, Sartre doesn't. In any he field. doesn't come up that much. Yeah. I do. I, I do see, however, quite often uh, this gets parroted that he has this line. There's this line that comes up all the time on Reddit, and I see it sometimes on Twitter, where where people just post it. Where he has this like famous line, like uh, "Do not, do not think the the like the the, the anti semite or or the um, or the fascist. I don't know what it is. Like like uh, that they, they don't understand the uh, absurdity about which they speak. He has this. You know what I'm talking? This line. Oh is? yeah, yeah. It's from anti. Yeah, the, it's from. Uh, in French, it's questions on anti-Semitism, but uh, in in English, it's translated as anti-Semite and Jew for some reason. Okay. Yeah. Huh, interesting. Um, so yeah, so yeah, that, I see that all over the place, and then it's then that that that's that's about it. But so it's or so, so or it's the condemned to freedom. I think we hear, don't we? Like people, he, he says that. maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe a little bit. Or hell is other people. I guess that's hell is other people. Yeah, that's you know, there's a one. there's a great episode of Futurama titled "Hell is Other Robots." There you uh, go. Which is so yeah. So there there's that. Yeah, um, there's that. So. So so there's that. So yeah. Also, so, there's uh, the, so, yeah. this is something you point out to me that that if you put in Sartre in a Microsoft Word, it puts a squiggle under it. Oh so yeah. So this that is, is I that's can't ta- yeah. I can't I can't take this point. You said this to me once. Um, Microsoft Word is a great uh, tool for um, who what thinkers or uh, or or just people are part of uh, ideology, right. and right. if it gets a red squiggle. Not a part of ideology. This would be the argument. If it, right. if it's included in the dictionary, ide- ideological. So, or, or some. Of course, sometimes it's someone's last name is a very common last name. Right. That's right. that doesn't mean anything. Right. Sartre doesn't get a, a red squiggle. Sartre is in there, but Sartrean, Sartrean. does get a red squiggle. Yeah. Uh, Just so like Fichtean. Really, 
So you Fichtian. can write Fichte, but you can't write Fichtian. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Hegelian, yeah. though, Todd. That's, Hegelian, you can. Get... So that's sad for yeah. us. Cause so, that is sad for so us. So our that guy is, yeah, is part of the <laughs> ideological structure. He's that's part sad. of this, yeah. But so, uh, yeah, so we'll, t- so we'll tease out some of these things. So, um, Todd, I know you're struggling with your voice, but I want to, because I think sometimes it's interesting. This is a, um, I didn't read this book until we, uh, until I started um, writing, trying to write my book, actually, and planning these podcasts. So I I'd, I'd never really read this before. Um, and I, I'm happy to have come at it, um, at this point in my learning and, and, and knowing things, because I think I, I'd have been like too overwhelmed to continue yeah. what yeah. I will, what, what to just to try to continue reading it. So what I'll, um, just say by way of, I think I said this, uh, in the first episode of, uh, phenomenology we did is that like you, you have to I'll just coming from me, you have to read this book and then, it, then it will make sense. Yeah. You can't make sense of it. As you as go along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, it's really, really, really hard. There, there will just be these points. Like if you just commit yourself to it and, and please take it from someone for whom, uh, I mentioned this a long time ago, of course, like it's, it, it still, it still requires like physical work. I have to think about it to make my eye go from the end of one sentence to the beginning of another. It's still something I have to work on after the traumatic brain injury and the car accident. So take it, take it from someone, uh, who, who's, who's working through it like, like that, that like you just, at some point there will just, things will start to click. There will just be things that will bubble up and part of the reason to read him that way and, and not try to read him, uh, like as it's going to make linear sense, like throughout, like every sentence is that he comes back to the same examples and the same ideas, like over right. and over and over again. It's really, and true. so see, so yeah, so it's, it's, it's written in a way that is also, I, I think would be the best way to make sense of it. Um, so, so just if you, if you listen to this episode and you think you want to, you want to get into this and read it for yourself and see some of the things that we're not going to be able to, to get into, that's really the way to do it is like, you just, you submit yourself to reading it. And, uh, I I use that word advisedly and things will bubble up. Like you, you will just make connections because like the second or third time that he talks about his, uh, not seeing his friend Pierre at the cafe, for example, like you'll, you'll make some. Uh, connection or th- or the fifteenth time he talks about it you, that you didn't understand on the first second right, or third right so that that that's that's my my advice just right off the bat that's pretty great that's pretty great I also think it's really interesting to read a a work of philosophy that's written by someone who's also a novelist and I think yeah it's yeah. pretty I mean he was he was known as a novelist so he wrote nausea before this and published it so he was much better known as a novelist early on and then this book kind of made him blossom as a in, in the public eye as a philosopher and, and and he became the world's philosopher in a way you know like he hmm. uh, de gaulle hmm. wouldn't arrest him because he said one doesn't arrest oh. voltaire right like that's a great it's a great line uh and i think that don't, don't hold on don't don't step don't step over this i think this is incredible like yeah. like he like people were because of this was later much later right much um, later uh, yeah yeah, yeah. So this is where Sartre was leading. It's an Algerian like, war. I think he was protesting part of the protest. Okay, so a lot the, of yeah, so the anti-war and, and like yeah. political dissident uh, uh, things, and 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 De Gaulle was asked to arrest to arrest to, Sartre. to, to apprehend Sartre, and he said, yeah, and that's the line. One, One doesn't, doesn't arrest, arrest Voltaire. Voltaire. Yeah, 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 that's pretty great. I know. I mean, pretty it great. makes you, it makes you like De Gaulle. For, I mean, for other reasons too, but. <laughs> I mean, he fought. He yeah. was one of the. He led the resistance against the Nazis, uh, but but yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, and he so he he and Simone de Beauvoir, and I think it's interesting. 
I was just reading uh, Shulamith Firestone's uh, Dialectic of Sex, which was a feminist classic from the nineteen from nineteen seventy, actually. And she was talking about de Beauvoir, and she says, "Well, second sex is this amazing." She has all this respect for her, but I feel like she was a little too influenced by Sartre and the existentialism. And I, I thought to myself, "Well, maybe you got that wrong because <laughs> I think <laughs> Beauvoir is mm. equally present in being nothingness." And so it's not. I don't think we should ever say, you know, right. it's Sartre. It's being Sartre's existentialism. It's Sartre and Beauvoir's existentialism, and she had a real hand in in everything that he wrote. So I think, you know, if that's an important part to to think about. Mm-hmm. And and if and if you read Second Sex, you, you, that becomes pretty pretty evident. A professor once said to me, oh, Second Sex is good. It's applied Sartre." And I thought, oh, wow. I said, that's pretty terrible because you could almost see it the other way around, right? Like that -hmm, that mm -hmm. being a nothingness is applied Beauvoir. So I think that she is, you know, is the is the equal of him. And 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 interestingly, in a way, was in France like they did a lot of travel. They went to Cuba together. They went to Russia together. They were really the this philosophical couple uh, Mm. that then and such like a something that you would just never see today sadly i think that they that they're like when they pronounced on something they were asked to pronounce on every issue there was and so mm. obviously mm. sartre was wrong at times right but he he was he was constantly intervening in every question uh, so that's so and, and he had the courage to do it so i think he's he's remarkable for that reason uh but this is the book that really launched his career and then after its publication at the end of the war, I think in April of 45, so just maybe just a, maybe it's September of 45, he gave this lecture called Existentialism is a Humanism. Mm-hmm. And that was basically a popularization of being in nothingness. And that, like everyone, it's, it's published as a book now, it's a little pamphlet now, it's like a 50, 60 page book. Everybody read that. So if you can't read Being in Nothingness, that's actually a good little entree in what it basically has and we'll get to this later is that it has the sense of freedom that he wants to mm. develop in this book but it doesn't have the ontological phenomenological work of the beginning so the beginning the two parts we're going to talk about today is an assertion he's trying to get to this end point of freedom and it's assertion that there's a radical divide in being and it's between mm. beings that just are what they are and then a being that is what he calls for itself. So there's a contrast in Sartre between the in itself and the for itself. And that's what he's really working out in this section. And then the, the, for him, the problem is what is this for itself? So the in itself is just anything that is what it is. So anything that's an object that doesn't have what, he, what he'll value a lot, consciousness, right? So consciousness makes something what he calls for itself, which means it makes things it takes things into its own account. And the main thing that it does is it is negating. It inserts nothingness into the world. And that's us. We're the source of nothingness. So you could even think of the title as being on the one side is all this object world. And then on, on the other side, it's not the nothing is us. We're the source of nothing in the world. And so it's interesting to think of the contrast between his position, and we've get, done an episode on object-oriented ontology, which is a flat ontology, wants, wants to say mm-hmm. the in itself and the for itself, there's no real difference between those. And Sartre is absolutely opposed to that. So he thinks there's a radical, that is the only difference. He even says 
the only event that ever happened in the history of the in itself is that the for itself emerged. So there's mm. one event. There's one event in the object world. One thing happened, and that's us. Everything else is just all the same. Yeah, it's so th- that's a very very helpful introduction uh, to, to to what this is. It's it's so. I mean, he's got so, so, uh, one of the things about reading. Oh, oh, before I continue, um, somebody should remake Richard Linklater's before films. Uh, but it's about uh, Sartre and de Beauvoir. So uh, you're welcome. Uh, that's the, that would be a great. <laughs> That would be amazing, really, because it, it is true. Except they never have the, like, the problem is that he insisted on the, well, I don't know. It's it's a, it's an interesting thing because she was also bisexual, right? So mm-hmm. he was not going to be totally pleasing to her. But I think she would have agreed to a, to get, to have, have a, <laughs> what would you call it? Like a, a monogamous, no, no, no. I was going to say a oh, monogamous okay. relation and he refused oh, that. So it's interesting, like, Sartre is a good a good argument against, what would you call it, like, uh, lookism? Like, the, like, he, like just, oh, yeah, to yeah, be yeah, frank, yeah, yeah. He's, he's not an attractive guy, right? And and no. yet he was very, uh, he he was not an incel. Like, he, he was able to, <laughs> he was still able yeah. to, uh, to, to, what would you call it, be promiscuous. So yeah. I, I think it's it, interesting. And I mean... Someone said to me, it's because he had this great voice. And I'm like, really? I don't think it's quite that. But anyway, <laughs> I don't know what it was. So, but he, yeah. well, the, but no, I like the idea this, anyway. So I think it's really, this is really interesting. Uh, the, the, like that now in the, in this film, you know, you have the opportunity to be, to, to have, to have a Richard Linklater style before trilogy about two philosophers that uh, ends up being like very, um, uh, sex positive and anti uh, incel. Like I think that's like yeah. that's pretty. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, that's, it, right? and, it's yeah, nice. that's pretty good. Yeah, so yeah. Hollywood, you're, you're welcome. I mean, there, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Uh, the so, only the only so, thing is, yeah. I, I think that it, there there were some of these relations that were a little like they they considered themselves a large family. So at times, oh god, okay. the <laughs> relation was like, uh, is this your daughter or your? I'm talking about Devovor. Like, is this your daughter or your lover, or is it both? Like, there's a kind of a weird, but Sartre too. Mm. Some like the. I think people today there would be an age problem with some of these relations, uh, okay. but and also this kind so, of incest <laughs> issue. But anyway, oh my but God. but so I, maybe, I know, maybe yeah maybe the film's going to be censored. But I I do think it's <laughs> I I like the idea of I like that idea a lot of the like the what's really crucial is the way they come together on the level of ideas. And then mm. the aesthetic part is just completely secondary. You know, I think that's, yeah. I think that's not, I think people don't think that enough, you know, like that, that maybe what makes someone attractive is, you know, how they think. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, I mean, like yeah. it certainly, I mean, it, it certainly had to, I mean, this would be the claim of the, of this film that we're constructing is that it is the, um, and I th- don't you think this is also at the, um, at the heart of the, the screwball comedy that it is like, it's, it's not the, obviously everyone that is in a screwball or in a, a classic Hollywood film is undeniably attractive, but it is right. always, it's, it's this, like this, this outside logic to a person that produces internal tension to them. Right. That is what makes them attractive. Like, and I yeah. think you could, that's no, not it's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. Anymore, you never really hear so someone good, yeah. say in a screwball like, oh, "Oh, she's so beautiful. He's so beautiful. I can't, I can't no, hold back." It's always like something about. It's usually you're the most something contemptible man I ever met. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So, uh, so back to back to the episode. 
uh, as as scheduled. Um, Sart uh, and to pick up some of the from some of the pieces yeah, yeah. Uh, that Todd was yeah. developing, the, the novelistic thing, like the, just that it's very clear that he's a not because you get these phrases like this, um, and this is these are early on. Um, uh, the necessary condition for our saying not is that non-being be a perpetual presence in us and outside of us, that nothingness haunt being. And then a little bit later, nothingness lies coiled in the heart of being like a worm. And it's just like, the, it, it's a lot of the, a lot of the work that start like there are two things going on in here that are very impressive that, um, there's work being done in the, uh, the, f- the, the, the artistic flourish, just that like the, the, like those kinds of, uh, at the sentence level, right. you don't get that so much in, uh, in a lot of philosophical work, but he's, it's Hegel also, say, right? <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah. yeah. The, you, you also get though, the, the systematic, um, I don't know. Uh, like, like you get the, it's, it's systematic as well. Like, you, you know, you might, you might think like, you know, you get someone who, who writes very, uh, uh, write, writes floridly. It's really easy to read, but it's not systematically rigorous. And like with this book, you get both. And, um, we, you know, we're going to get to our systematic issues later, but like, it's one of those books that even, and I would say, especially if you don't agree, with what he's developing, it's extremely pleasing to to read because the, the more that you read it, like the as you understand what he's saying more, your disagreement, whatever it may be, becomes like clarified because right. of the way that he right. writes. So it's right. it's 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 not like it's just one of these things. Like, um, okay, I'll, I'll like I'll I'll, I'll say I'll, I'll kind of class uh, this sort of experience. It's not like I I I read and liked something else. And because I've read in like something else, uh, I can't like this. Like it's all like it's all personal. Like it's all on the level of the person. And it, th- this, I think, reading a book, reading this book, I think, helps you disagree a little. Kind of like the same thing that we're talking about with certain uh, de-, de Beauvoir and this like this potential attraction in this film we've constructed. It's at the level of the idea. It's not right. about the level of the person. Like you can re- like you can reject Sartre for all or de Beauvoir for all those things that we were just talking about. Like personally. Uh, sort of besides the point theoretically what's being uh, developed in this is like you 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 start puts you in a position where you c- can't like if you accept this you do have to close down some other things that you that you right. may also right. like in your own philosophical uh, edifice like you you do have to make a choice part of it is because as we'll come to he is a dualist dualistic thinker and that, that does uh, come up at, at different at different times yeah. but like I, I think that this is good. Like, like it's, it's not, um, it, it, it's not, it doesn't do, it doesn't do philosophy in general, a, a favor. If it's like, Oh, I take this from here and I take this from over here. And Can I, take I just this, say, and then, and then nothing is that, ever in conflict. Uh, and so, I, and Sart, I, I think you read this and you have to put, if you really read this and you're really taking him seriously, you have to put him in conflict with other things that you've read or other things that you think. Well, and I, I think that that's just incredibly valuable. I, 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 I think that's such a great point. I mean, he, and he's great about that, right? Like he, he's like, okay, here I'm in conflict with Hegel here. I'm in conflict mm-hmm. with Heidegger here. I'm in conflict yes. with Husserl. Those yes. are his main three antagonists, I think. But I mean, he also mm-hmm. gets something from them, obviously. Yes. But yeah, I yeah, think yeah. So that, he's good that, that too. yeah, I just think it's so great to, that, and I just hate that. You know, I'll get take a little from this, take a little from that, and take. I mean, maybe I do it, but, but I, I do think that that there 
I think that's fine. Obviously, like there's clearly like a Hegelian psychoanalytic point that we're trying to develop, which sure. is existentialist well, but the, but, also, right? But yeah, um, right, right, right. Which is why, which is where Sartre is valuable. But but it's finding a thread. I guess I would say this: finding a thread is different. And I'm not going to hate on Pinterest with this thing I'm about to say. Finding a thread through things is different from just throwing a bunch of stuff on a Pinterest board. Like it's right, it's, it's right, it, right, you know like right. there needs to be. Or if you are going to do a Pinterest board, it ha- these things have to have a dialectical relationship to each other. As in, like you are aware of the conflicts and contradictions right, that attend right. them, and you have some way of working through them. Like that has to be the way to do it. it it can't just be like you know if pinterest if the pinterest example doesn't work for you like you know put, putting uh posters and paintings on the wall that like everything like completely clash clashes with each with each other and when people point that out you're like oh i don't know i kind of like it it's like n- there has to be some sort of point like well right. what is it that you like about it like what? why 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 what in what in conflict what is it that, that you get from the conflict that you don't get if you just had had the one thing separate and everything was a, a consistent art style th- throughout so I, I think like that developing that thread is, is different from just like the the picking and choosing and up to the point that it would produce an issue and then you right. don't right get into I think that that's issue. the key right like if you if you write a work and, and you're like, oh, I'm going to start with this idea from Derrida and then go to this idea from Sartre and just mm. act as if they're just, they, they just fit nicely in the same universe. Well, they don't. And I think Sartre mm. is pretty great on that. Like he, yeah. he kind of put, it's interesting how that jives with what you've described. And I think rightly as the novelistic style of the, mm. of the book, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's a, it's you would think that a novelistic style would be more like oh ecumenical and, and open to <laughs> sure, everything, yeah. but it's not. It like it really, it it like it's he draws harsh or severe. What's the right word? Like not strict severe, lines. Lines. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was. That's the noun I was going to use. Yeah, like like he he uses he really makes draws a line in the sand, and I think it's really helpful as a reader. That you get that, and I think you know the first. It's interesting because I think the first line in the sand that he draws is this line between. I mean, the first two parts basically are consumed with this, this line between the in itself and the for itself, and that the in itself mm-hmm. is just what it is, and the for itself is a, is is this source of negation and nothingness. And I think that mm-hmm. that you know, like, if it wasn't, it's interesting too how being is prior for him, right? So the being yeah. of the for itself. I'm sorry, the being of the in itself. That was a bad mistake. Mm-hmm. The being of the in itself <laughs> is always prior. And then the negating of the for itself always comes after because, and this is the idea I think for him, it needs a being to negate. Like there can't be, mm-hmm. this, is a, this is a quarrel, you brought it up to me, this is a quarrel that he has with Hegel. He thinks Hegel puts being and nothingness on the same plane, but mm-hmm. his idea is you can't do that because there has to, like being comes before nothingness and it's isn't it interesting that he's in a way reversing the classic philosophical question heidegger asks this question leibniz asks this question like why is there why is there being rather than nothing you know like mm-hmm. this is the mm-hmm. philosophical question like why why was there ever anything why wasn't there just nothing and and he, yeah. it, sartre is really interesting because he completely reverses it he says no the question isn't how being arose. The question is how does nothingness arise out of the heart of being, and and that's that's the for itself. So I think that's an interest. It's just such a fascinating question, and and it's 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 tied to this ability of him to draw the heart, the the, the really severe lines between things. Yeah, absolutely. Oh no, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, that the. 
I feel like, I mean, the grandiose statement, like I've, I'm ha- like another reason why I feel like I'm happy to, to have read this book while I'm trying to write a book is I, I feel like Sartre has taught me something about like, about writing a book. And yeah. like, like, like you, you brought this up before is, um, there, there are, there are a couple different kinds. So I'm going to extrapolate something that you've said previously, and uh, then we'll, we'll move from generalities to getting into more of the, more of the nitty gritty. Uh, I think after this, um, there are a lot of different kinds of academic books, like particularly now, I think like it's, there aren't that many, you would say, uh, like philosophical works, certainly not like this. Um, and the ones that arise are basic. A lot of them are, you, you can say this, you have big umbrella topic of some academic book, and then the chapters do some different kind of edge on that idea. Um, so I'll, I'll, uh, and, and so it doesn't sound like I'm slaughtering like, you know, an, uh, uh, nameless people. I'll, I'll even put my, I'll put my own book, uh, up, up on this is that like the idea to talk about seriality through moving through like different kinds of objects, like it's dominant appearances since it first appeared in print in the, uh, early 1800s. So, you t- so I talk a little bit about print fiction and then, um, about the the film serial and uh, and how sound kind of kills the the film serial until the film series develop anyway that kind of thing then television whatever so but reading this book and just the things that I had been thinking like while I was writing is that like I don't I, I want to push an idea through from the beginning to the end and that's the thing that it's really it's really easy to, uh, to, to, to miss this. It's, uh, yeah. yeah. Like I, like I think like, like, um, okay. I love what is sex, uh, by Alenka Zupanstrik. We, we talked about it before. Yeah. Alenka apologizes, uh, kind of pre apologizes a little bit in the beginning of the book, because she says this book might look like a collection of essays. Right. Um, that are, that are disconnected. And then she has a, th- a thread that ties them together. That is the, like that. And I think it's like, it, that's a great version of that kind of book. That's like the dominant kind of academic book is like that right. kind of thing. There are these, there are these chapters that you can take as independent essays and there is a, a, a but there's a wider topic like my seriality thing, right. That, that ties them together. What Sard is doing here is he's pushing this, this idea. Like you, we could reverse the title, or, 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 or monkey around with the title and then and you get what the whole book is about that, that uh, nothingness is that which being depends it's yeah it, 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 and and you know and, and and that sounds a little if you've read uh, Derrida before right like he he uh, presence depends on absence like it's you know there, there's, it's like this kind of reversal of, of the, what right. the how, what, how we intuitively think right. of, of, of certain things but and what Sartre does in this book is, is like, he, he never, I don't know that he ever, well, no, maybe he does. He gives you that, that, that idea, that, that premise like that directly. And then just like pushes through the, like the minute consequences of like, if we accept this and we accept this in this context, we have to move it to another one. Like he, he understands. And I think this is something that is making it longer for me to write the book. Sometimes I get emails from people and they're like, when, when 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 are you, when is your book coming out? Because Todd, you make it look so easy. So the and people say to me, "When is your book not coming out?" So it's the, it's the opposite <laughs> that funny. question. That's the opposite. Yeah, yeah, when is yeah. it not coming out? Yeah. But it but it's like one of uh, Sartre understands that when you say 
when you say X, you are responsible for why it's not Y. Right. And, right. and that is crucial to his project here. And it's part of what makes the book intimidating and why it's so long, but it's also what makes it rich. So that's kind of my, my final that, statement. That's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. Yeah. I think that's really, it's re- like, I think he's going to take this contrast between the in itself and the for itself and just play out all the implications of it. And then mm-hmm. he's going to say, okay, so if we're this for itself in this and the source of all negativity in the in this mass ocean of being, what are the implications of that? I think you're exactly right about yeah. that. And then and then I mean that's where he, he that's when he comes to this idea of, of being condemned to freedom, I think. And I, I think that's the mm. that's the ultimate philosophical, political endpoint to what he wants to say, right? I think it's and I think there's something really great about that. You said to me that he invents psychoanalysis, and I think that, you know, obviously he's writing after <laughs> no, Freud. So, he's writing after. So that's yeah. not true, but but he does say desire is a lack in being, and I mean, the yes, other thing does. we should say is Sartre was very, with he, de- well, I'll get to the, his rest of the unconscious in a minute, but he does say desire is a lack in being, and this is in, the, in part one, so that's a, I, I, I mean, uh, he's, and he says the existence of desire as a human fact is sufficient to prove that human reality is a lack. I mean, it's yeah, only in the yeah, human world there yeah. can be lacks. Like he really, he's kind of on our side on this question, right? Like it's, it is, it's, 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 it's also, I'm sort of tracing this out in, in this chapter. Like it's so clear. It's so clear that, um, that Lacan is indebted to Sartre oh, on a lot oh, of things. And oh. it's also very very clear that Sartre doesn't give a shit about Lacan, like even I, a little I, bit. Like he, like he did bit. not, it's just so dismissive. I, I know, and he never mentions him. I don't think ever never, once in his work. Not no, a, no he right. never, mentioned, I, I he never right. mentions him. And, yeah. and, and there's such and an anxiety my, of it influence on Lacan's part, I think. It's, yes. And, and the, rightfully so, because, yeah. you know, he, 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 like the mirror stage essay has this, he openly mentioned Sartre, and then later yeah, he'll openly mention him. But there are many times there are these little side jabs at Sartre, and and I think it's because there's a real anxiety of influence. Yes, I agree completely, and literally about anxiety. I mean, like right, it, it's right, right. like the, the the seminar ten. I don't think exists if uh, Sartre doesn't write being in nothingness, yeah. um, or at least it doesn't exist in the way that it does. Um, and don't you think that the thing, this is my supposition is I, I just think that it's not a, it's actually not at the level of ideas. It's that, um, Sartre looks at Lacan and is like, you never wrote a book. Right. Why, and also, why I am mean, I going to pay attention to you? Right. But, but Sartre was, I mean, he didn't write anything on anybody because I mean, he wrote it like even, <laughs> even, uh, when the Leton Moderne reviewed, Albert Camus' book, uh, The Rebel, L'Homme Revolté. Like he, mm-hmm. Sartre didn't even write the review himself. <laughs> he like, he like <laughs> farmed it out to Francis Janson, and 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 then Camus like, you don't even have the guts to. And and it's really like, well, no, I didn't think you were kind of the philosophical equal of me, so I didn't want to do it. So well, Todd, yeah. you know it's because they say they say Camus can do, but Sartre is smarter. That's pretty good. <laughs> and did you come up it's with from that? From the or? Simpsons. No, it's from The Simpsons. I stole uh, it from okay. uh, John, okay. John Lovitz's character in a season six uh, episode. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, like, I know Camus right now. Everyone in France thinks, oh, Camus is so much greater. But there's, Camus is a greater novelist, but there's one philosopher between mm. the two of them, and it's not Camus. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, 
back to the end itself and the for itself. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think that this and and the way that the so the for itself is this lack in being, right? And it also mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it also bring it's the source of lack for everything into the in itself. Like it's the it it. It, it it eats up in itself. And I think for him, that's really, that that it's, that's why he says it's the only event that ever happened to the in itself. It's constantly, that relation to the in itself is really important. And I think, you know, the, the reason why he starts with being and not nothingness is because, and I think this is something that, this is where I think we're going to have a distance from him, but he's he's very much a phenomenological thinker. Like this whole book is about what the experience of so phenomenology is about the way that experience works itself out and the, paying attention to our ex, how we experience things rather than the idea coming before the experience right so his, crucially not exactly uh, right what Hegel means not at all what Hegel is right exactly so it's Husserl in phenomenology Edmund Husserl is the inventor of this right absolutely true uh, thanks for saying that um, you're welcome and uh, but but he's trying to say like what is the experience of the of 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 the subject of the for itself the, i think those two terms are equivalent mm-hmm. for him and he thinks that that experience is this one of constantly lacking constantly negating what is mm-hmm. in itself or what is objective and then but also it always has to be mediated through consciousness for him and i so i we, we just said he, in a way, kind of anticipates Lacan. Well, here's a way he's really anti-psychoanalytic, I think. That, yes. That this notion, he gets it from, obviously, from Descartes, he even keeps using the Latin term cogito. He says, the first condition of subjectivity is the pre-reflective cogito, right? So mm-hmm. that, and interestingly, he uses the term pre-reflective, which means it's yes. this, there's this consciousness that comes prior to any reflection that you do as a subject, right? So you just, when you're thrust into the experience... That experience is the experience of consciousness. And that's where, so that's really like Husserl. Husserl would agree with that. Heidegger Mm -hmm. absolutely would not. So Heidegger, Mm -hmm. for Heidegger, it's much more the mood or the, the, the affect that we have in the experience that's determinative, right? So that's why for Heidegger, anxiety would come, it's, it's almost before consciousness, right? So it's not Mm -hmm. just, so there's a way in which, Heidegger, in this sense, is more is closer to psychoanalysis than Sartre, even though he he also doesn't ever talk about unconscious except negatively. So so I think that that mm-hmm. that real that emphasis on everything has to go through consciousness is is crucial to Sartre, and yet I I I want to say it's a limitation of him as a thinker. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty good. It's it's really it's really interesting. Like my comment about like Sartre inventing psychoanalysis is he invents it within his system and he, but and this we're going to talk about in part two, because he has a whole section called existential psychoanalysis. Right. That we're not right. going to cover that. We're not going to cover today, but so he, he is specifically, I think that depressed a, Lacan so much, man, when yeah. he wrote that section. Cause I think that's what Lacan thought he was doing, developing mm. an existential psychoanalysis. Anyway, go ahead. It is interesting. I mean, he, do, I mean, he does say in the anxiety, some like he, he positions anxiety as prior to anything. Like that's, I, know, I think I that's know. that, you yeah. know, yeah. So that's, yeah. um, uh, um, yeah. So we're, so we're going to get to that in a, uh, another episode so we can spend more, more time on it specifically. But the, the point, the point is, is that, um, because Sartre is so 
uh, systematic in the way that he is building the book and building this, you know, uh, this, the, the, in itself and the for itself and building the way that we should think about nothingness and its relation to being, he comes upon needing to come up with processes that are not conscious and things that just like that just happen or seem to happen through us. And so earlier in the book, he talked, there's, there's the way he talks about an idea of passivity. That sounds a lot like unconscious. There's some dimensions to what he talks about bad faith or I said this to you. There's some dimensions about bad faith for Sartre that sound kind of a lot like the drive. Yeah. Um, and this like this this masochism and the, this undermining, but it's 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 not the same idea. Um, but but he he rejects he rejects psychoanalysis because it I it, it imperils what he's doing. Right. Um, like he would he would have to like I mean that then that, that is the difference be- between him and Lacan. Like I like I don't I don't know that there is a way to think unconscious and drive and then think how he wants to think phenomenology in this text. I, I don't, right. Right. I don't right. know that you can have, no, I don't, I don't uh, think you can have it. I don't think you can be a phenomenologist that believes in the unconscious. Right. Yeah. So. No, it's yeah. 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 Right. Right. You have to be Hegel who, right. Who right. phenomenal right. for whom phenomenology is, uh, something how, else. How do, it's well, I think else, for him, yeah. phenomenology is like a way of theorizing experience, but I don't think it's, Right. It's like coming out of experience in the way that it mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. for Husserl, Heidegger, and Sartre and Merleau-Ponty. But so, mm-hmm. so I think that's pretty important. And I think that I think you, so for him, for Sartre, interestingly, he thinks if there if there's an unconscious, it's in itself. Like I mean, right, I mean, right, right. So so the unconscious is not is not part of the for itself. If there is an unconscious, as you're saying, there is part of us that's you know outside of our outside of our conscious deliberation, then it's just, it's just in itself. And, and, and it's interesting to the, me. The in itself really crucially, how did you describe the in itself to me? It just is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. Bill yeah. Belichick. That's exactly right. He, he, so, the which, unco- so the unconscious would be, Oh, it just, it is what it is. It's not, right. it, it, you, you know, you know, it'd be like if Freud's whole thing was, if he said, I mean, you know, this isn't really a thing for, for, for Freud, but like, if if uh, Freud was like, well, you know what? I actually think a cigar is just a cigar all the time, and there's really there's nothing to be suspicious. There's nothing about nothing to see ever. here. That's for sure what the unconscious is, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Bill Belichick, yeah. by the way, is the coach of the hated New England Patriots, and and yeah. uh, and a kind of an insufferable for our guy. Listeners. Yes, <laughs> but uh, I mean, there might be Americans that haven't heard of him. Uh, That's true. And and, uh, and he he constantly, this is his constant refrain. It is what it is. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, the, to me, the entire problem with him as a subject is, is embodied in that phrase because it's to suggest he doesn't believe in subjectivity, right? It's, it's just what yeah. he said, because the whole point of the subject as Sartre recognizes is that it isn't what it is. It's, it's constantly right. out in front of itself or behind itself, or, mm-hmm. you know, it's never equal to itself like the in itself is. So I think that's pretty interesting. But but Sartre does say if there is an unconscious it's in itself, what he misses is that maybe the unconscious is the way that we're not equal to ourselves, right? Like that's Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Which no, is kind of that's the great, I think, psychoanalytic idea. And he just can't I don't think he's able to get that because he can't see freedom so freedom even comes up in this first two sections, right? Like to be free is mm-hmm. to be condemned to be free. He already has this idea. 
And I think he thinks if the unco- where there's unconscious, there's no freedom. And I think that's for him because he's still, even though he's really an incredible philosopher of freedom, right? He still has too much of this notion of freedom is free will, I think. And right. and that right, right. And I think that's the isn't the great thing about both Hegel and psychoanalysis is even Kant, I think, brings a different conception of freedom to the table. Mm-hmm. That freedom is not the freedom to choose between A and B, but it's the freedom to like totally shift one's way of being right like to shift mm-hmm. in a total and and Sartre gets that in other ways but i think there's still this remnant of freedom is free will which is why he's attaching it to consciousness which is why he rejects the idea of the unconscious can i give you an example i um so i don't you and i don't often well no no we do but not not at this level we don't often like uh, trade notes as, as teachers on like, how do you structure assignments right, and right, things like that? Right, we don't really get right, into that. So do. I'm going to tell you when I do final paper stuff, I give, I always give like, um, I do like this. I give like three options of like things to do. And then there's like a surfeit of ways to do it. You can do it as a written paper, as a podcast, as a video essay, or like whatever. So I'm yeah. like that kind of thing. Okay. And so the first two, um, options, are always like whatever was relevant to the class. Like, uh, so, uh, you know, uh, per- pursue or craft it like a, a, an original, uh, to, to you in your own theorizing from base source in the class text, like some notion of an aesthetics of television from what we've read, you know, like whatever, like that kind of thing. And the last option or, and then, and then the second one again, related to whatever it is I'm teaching. And the last option I always title freedom, horrible, horrible freedom. Uh, which is you write about whatever you like. You just do it yourself. Yeah, that's pretty good. You just, and yeah. and the reason why I do that is because what I learned. Um, so this is I I've uh, do you know I've taught college for ten years now. Wow, is that cra- wow. Is that crazy to you? That's, that's a, a decade. That's a long time. That's it's a long, long time. time. Well, yeah. What I've found is that like you know oftentimes you'll hear like you know students want more flexibility or they but like to say you could do anything that you want is it's kind of the worst. No thing. one wants that. Off, yeah, no, no one, one wants that, that because yeah. it's like. Like uh, some people do, and and it works out, and for the pe- but it means that that person already had a thing that they wanted to do, and they just didn't know if it was going to be within the bounds of what what's expected because some people are really uh, proprietary about how they do assignments yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, and but a lot of times that that kind of I think the the sort of the the freedom that uh, that Sartre is talking about is. Oh, it's a little bit like um, in uh, in James Joyce in Dubliners in, in like this like paralysis of d- d- like you can do whatever you want. Yeah. Like this, you know, like what is it? What's is that Evelyn? The story Evelyn. she's holding yeah. the bag. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. You know, like like that. I think that's the that that freedom is is the, the free. Like that's what that's what uh what Sartre is on about which is yeah interesting yeah. to think about that as uh, as i don't think most people most people wouldn't consider it that way uh it would it, and especially in contemporary capitalism like freedom just becomes an, uh, equated with choice like more choice, choice. right is right. like like choices like like freedom is a uh, a good that you can purchase and accumulate right. but like right. for for freedom would you say like for Sartre, freedom is this almost like an original negativity like i think a, that's a right prior i think that's right i think that's why we're free for him because we're originally negative and it's not, I think original, that's a really good word. And I think it, 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 like you have, we'll get to this next time, but I think that he thinks we have freedom through the project that we choose. But then Mm. once you choose that project within that project, you're pretty determined, right? 
But mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I think what's interesting is in this section, <clears throat> he's he's an isolate, and the most famous part of the book is the Garçon de Café, right? Like this, mm. and in this discussion, like bad faith for him is a betrayal of one's freedom, right? Like it's a way that mm-hmm. you, because what are you doing when you're in bad faith? So bad faith is maybe the most important or most well-known, I should say. I don't think it's the most important, Sartre and concept. And it's it's the idea that you believe you really are, he doesn't use this term, but you really are your symbolic identity, that you really mm-hmm. are this social position that you are taking up. And then you try to act perfectly in the way that someone acts in this, and he uses the the I, the reason I said the garçon de café, so a waiter. Mm-hmm. Although, <clears throat> if you're in France, don't say garçon anymore because you're saying boy to the waiter, so that's not mm-hmm. great. But uh, at the as, time, it was a Ameri- common. As Ameri- Todd, as Americans learn from Pulp Fiction, is that true? Yeah, oh, garçon wow, means I boy. Did. That's what the the waiter, who's the uh, yeah the server, her head is cut off from the frame in the beginning of the of the movie. And she uh, says Roth's that character. to Tim Roth. She, yeah, she says that. Garcon means boy, and then gives, gives, gives him the coffee, and she walks away. Yeah. Wow, that's really good. Okay, so people yeah. already know that if they've seen Pulp Fiction. <laughs> I've repressed Pulp Fiction in my mind. So uh, <laughs> you wrote about you wrote a. Wrote I even wrote a whole chapter on it. Time. Yeah, sadly. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's get that out of the. So we've already had. What have we had today? We've had a reference to Tarantino, and what was the other? Th- oh, to James Joyce too. We've had two, two of, like, know, references that They're... should never be, they should be stricken from the book of life. Anyway, um, I'm just kidding about Joyce, because whatever. But, uh, it's okay, fiction, I'm worth you know, saying you know, I, I, I don't yeah. know if you find this is true, but I can, sure. I can be sure to alienate about a third of my class when I talk about how terrible <laughs> Quentin Tarantino is as a director. And they're like, oh my God, he's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Anyway, uh, so the the, I, the the garçon de café really believes he's a garçon de café, right? Like that, and mm-hmm. and and Freud's point is, he every gesture is done a little too. The point the point is that even when you really believe it, you don't. There's still a distance between the for itself and the role, and the role is the role is an in itself, right? I think that's an interesting thing, right? Like the, you you have this symbolic role that you occupy, which is carved out it's in itself it is what it is garçon like waiter right and then you 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 hold the dish a little too properly you walk Mm -hmm. a little bit too stylishly and then and then it shows that there's this distance between the for itself and the symbolic role or between the subject and symbolic identity and i think that's pretty and 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 his but his Mm -hmm. idea is that bad faith is to believe you really are that thing Right. Like you really are like I really am a professor. I really mm. am a father. And then Mm -hmm. and then when you allow that to to direct to take over your freedom, that's bad faith. So you say like, well, as a father, I can't I can't lock my child outside in the snow. Well, no, no. I mean, I'm not saying I should lock my child outside in the snow. But the point is that you don't you make the free act not to lock your child outside in the snow, not do it because you're a good father, right? Right, like qualifying based on your symbolic identity why you would think or do something. So exactly. two, two things, <laughs> exactly. I, want, I, want, I wanted to let you explain this before me telling you, and this this may hurt, um, you you said Freud said that instead of Sartre. Oh my so God. That may, do some, that, may, that may do some damage. No, uh, no, we'll no I'm about happy that about that because uh, I kind of think for... they're, 
I mean, yeah. this is something people might not know, but for, uh, <laughs> slip. Sartre wrote the screenplay for John Huston's uh, a biopic of Freud. So I think there's a, I mean, mm. you said it, I mean, right. there's a real connection there, I think, despite yeah, no, this sure. reject, this incredible rejection of the unconscious, which is, doesn't I make th- any sense at all. But. Well, that doesn't, isn't that what it is? Like, don't you think in the same way that you, you slipped and said Freud when you meant Sartre, uh, yeah. like, don't like, I can't you see that like, or at least I could see it this way is that like maybe Sartre was never totally happy with his rejection of the unconscious. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. like like the hit like his idea was it wasn't as it just wasn't as strong. It didn't really fit like and he just kind of had to be, he kind of had to hand wave away. So I think that right. that's right. Um, but the, that's the problem good. is, yeah. don't you think the problem, Ryan, is that he would have to give if he gives up, if he ex- invests in the unconscious, he has to give up phenomenology. And I don't think he's yeah, prepared yeah. to give that up. Right? Yeah, so I think I, that I, I think he he needs to start with consciousness because he that that's what is part of his phenomenological method and well, the whole point you, of the you, sorry no 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 you go ahead and i was going to say the whole point of the yeah. unconscious is that your experience is misleading it's it's mm-hmm, not just mm-hmm. misleading a little bit it's misleading yeah. all the time so so the point is yes. that you can't if you're going to if you're going to make a philosophy of experience you're going to be completely misled because you're going to you're going to rule out the very thing that determines from in ways that you don't know what's going on in your experience. So that was, um, I wasn't going to say exactly that, but that was going to be my point. Like what Sartre would have had to have done is, or someone following this, you'd have to have a phenomenology of the unconscious and it couldn't be ever. And there, there couldn't be an, 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 in itself. Right. Like there, there, right. there, there is no, it is what it is dimension. So that's the first thing that you do. And you would show why there's no in itself of the unconscious. We don't, it, it's, it'd be the same. It's the same thing, right? Well, I mean, maybe you, you would draw that into like other like transcendental, uh, yeah. arguments about yeah. like the, like the life inside an object, like the chair that I'm sitting in that like creaks a little bit when I move in a certain way. Like there's right. some it like life internal to it that I just have like no access to, even if it does exist. So like what, what can, what can you even do with that? And so what you would do in this, as I've said, a phenomenology of the unconscious is you would be, you'd be tracing how it acts upon you. Right. And I think that's what he would have, I think that's what he would have had to do. And it would have caused other changes. In, right. In the system, the whole system think, would have, yeah, I think yeah. It, it would have, it would have been a real, I mean, no one has ever done this, but it would be interesting to rewrite being a nothingness or existentialism from the perspective of the unconscious, you know, like that. Yeah. That's that's what I want to do, but I think someone should do it. Like I think it's a really is that not your book? Is that not what you're trying to do? Yeah, it is what I'm trying to do. This is a long term book, though. It's a long term project. It's going to be like Copernicus. They're going to bring it to me as I'm lying on my deathbed. So So that's that's the that's the that's 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 the real book. All this other all this other stuff all this other stuff Todd publishes is just things he's doing with his hands. That's That's, right. That's it. But the real book is is this book. Really true. Yeah, it's really true. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, it won't work that way. I'll be dead and then the, it'll be unfinished. And so that'll be, that'll be that. Uh, <laughs> I'll so. read, I'll read it out on this podcast as I cry. Yeah. Uh, that's that's, that's be, how, that's how it'll get published. No, no. I, I, I think one of the worst things people can do to other people is to say, can you work on my posthumous, you know, mm. like, you know, make sure this comes out or who get, you know, once you're gone, you're gone. Who cares? You know. <laughs> 
worry about heaven would Sar- or hell. Would Sar- now, that's, I think, a very Sartrean uh, perspective. You it is. Respect yeah. your noth- you're respecting yeah. nothingness. You're respecting your nothingness, right? Right. I good t-shirt, you know, good Sartrean t-shirt. <laughs> it's pretty good. I, I mean, he... he uh, do you know the only Sartre joke I know? So, okay. Simone de Beauvoir comes into the party. She walks over to Sartre. She goes, what are you doing here in the corner? And he goes, nothing. That's the, only, <laughs> that's the, that's the joke. It's that's not, pretty good. No, that's a, great. That's great. It's not bad. I, 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 I made it up, I think. So it's not. Uh, it's it's that's limited. Pretty, you think? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's I can't remember no, if I good. stole it or made it up, but. Uh, but isn't it but but this so this is again where I think you 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 can you could see you could see the projects of uh of psychoanalysis and starts overlap where like the way for him that like like nothingness is is there is there is uh this this tension as I'm saying this this like this prior yeah. It's not a reflective cogito. Let's let's be really it's a, it's a pre-reflective. Exactly. So there's this like there's this original tension, this roiling tension. And again, if that people who've listened to the podcast a long time and and they they reread psychoanalysis that that should sound a little bit like the drive and it it doesn't work that way for um right. for Sartre because as we have said, Sartre is really really invested in uh consciousness and in uh, phenomenological experience, and I would also say this is something that separates him. There might be something there. There might, you might be able to 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 see in Sartre a reading of Hegel that does what has happened after Zizek and 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 uh, more recently like Malibu of like put putting Hegel in with uh, theories of the of the mind and the and the psyche, yeah. which is like uh, Sartre. He he kind of goes. There are different examples th- throughout, at least, at least in the first section. But he is kind of sanguine about immediacy, and he's he not. Yeah. He, he's not on. He's not on board. Yeah. With Hegel, that immediacy has to be immediated. Yeah. Immediacy. Yeah. He's not on board with that idea, and he's not on. Like he reads. He reads Hegel as a. Uh, like it's this is. Um, let me see if I can if I can find this really quickly while I'm talking. Then I will. Um, I, I will I will read it out. Let me chime in while you're looking for you it because I, I think yeah, that just to support your point, like I think that's mm-hmm. really good, and I think the reason it's tied with the rejection of the unconscious. Like if you're a philosopher mm-hmm. of immediacy, then the unconscious, mm-hmm. the whole point of the unconscious is it mediates every seeming immediate experience, right? So yeah. so I think it, it totally ties to that. And but I think you're exactly right. Like he's, it's all about that immediate moment. Where the for itself does the negating, and that's that's yes. the moment of consciousness. I mean, that's the yeah. and consciousness for him is always momentary, and it's never, it's never present, right? Like it's always mm. that, that that it's temporal, and I think that's really. I mean, there's a whole discussion of temporality in this first section, which is really good, and and the point is that the consciousness is always directed toward the. Like the the past, he says something like the past is fatality in reverse or something. Like it's it's like mm. there's a that the the past is always faded because it's mm. already happened. The past is in itself. It's only yeah. the it's only the present and the future that is, is infected with the the for itself. Like the past just is what it is. So it's in, it's in, so he so he which also, I don't think is so right I'm, either. By the way, I think no, we, no, I no. think the full the whole point of that episode we did on tenant. Is that yeah. you really can change the past anyway? Go ahead. You can't, yeah, and because retroactivity is a 
force and it puts and it's the not past a thing in, for him in negotiation. It's not a thing for him. It's, right. Well, exactly because he has a pre-reflective, so a right. pre, like right. it's a pre-retroactive, as in an immediate process. Yes. Yeah. And the the line the line that I was looking for um, in the uh, in the edition, it's the, uh, the the Hazel Barnes translation, which you wanted to say something about. So say I do. About yeah, it I'll say it after, after you said. Yeah. It. yeah. Um, so it's on page forty-five. He he. This this is just one line but it's throughout the true concrete for Hegel is the existent with its essence is a totality produced by the synthetic integration of all the abstract moments, which are surpassed in it by requiring their complement. Um, and he also, uh, he also, I think it was somewhere around that, that same section. Uh, he says that what Hegel does with being in nothingness is that he, um, has them as thesis and antithesis. So right. Sartre reads, Sartre reads Hegel as a um, as a philosopher of synthesis. Right, which, that's pretty um, funny, actually. That that reading yeah. of being in nothingness is funny. Yeah, it's just so yeah, wrong. Yeah, it's yeah. funny. Yeah. Well, there's but, the great. I mean, we said, is it too much? Is it too in the weeds to bring up that thing that I brought up to you? Yeah, earlier? go ahead. Go like, ahead. Yeah. Okay, so he he pulls a he pulls a quote. It's pr- it's pretty great. Um, uh, I think I have it here. It's on forty seven. He has a quote from. Uh, so, listeners, you're going to have to. I apologize because the sentence is going to begin with this and you're going to have no idea what it refers to, but there's nothing there's, I'd have to read so much more and and it gets away from the point. So uh, this is self-evident since any definition is negative, since Hegel has told us making use of a statement of Spinoza's that omnis determinatio est negatio. And does he not write? It does not matter what the determination or content is, which would distinguish being from something else. Whatever would give it a content would prevent it from maintaining itself in its purity. It is pure indetermination and emptiness. Nothing can be apprehended in it. Now, this is Sartre quoting Hegel from uh, The Logic, and it's this line, what he misses, it's, it's kind of the whole ballgame. He misses this pun, nothing can be apprehended. Is not is What he's saying, Hegel is saying, is that there is no thing no content there is it is blank but what hegel is saying is nothing can be apprehended right like which is why being and nothingness are are for hegel interlaced right like yes intersected yeah. they're 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 in, they 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 they're they're dialectically enmeshed with each other in a way mm-hmm. that they aren't for Sartre. and i think this is really important right. that and and the, we've gone along far enough. We can get to it. That that Sartre is a fundamentally to come back to your three categories from a while yes. ago. Like he's a fundamentally dualist thinker, and I don't think he would even object to that as a characterization. Unlike mm-hmm. some of these other characters, like we called Deleuze, or what? We don't know. We called him a mul- whatever. There are certain characters, we, certain mm-hmm. philosophers, we call dualists that would not like that at all. But I think. Mm-hmm. It's very fair to say about Sartre, and I think he would have no problem with it. And it's interesting because I think it's part of the air in France. He did not attend the lectures of Alexander Kozhev in the 1930s on Hegel, but I think he got this idea. And Kozhev's idea is Hegel's right about human reality, but he's wrong about nature. And that nature is not mm-hmm. dialectical, and human, real, uh, human reality is dialectical. Subjectivity is dialectical. And that is absolutely Sartre's idea, that Sartre's mm-hmm. idea is the in itself just is what it is. The for itself is dialectical. It's in contradiction. It's negating. It's the source of negation, the source of nothingness. And those two things are not, they're absolutely opposed to each other. So mm-hmm. that's a, that, that is the basis of his philosophy. So you, I don't, I don't think there's any way 
to think of Sartre outside of dualism. And then, the, mm. of course, the question he never tries to address is, how does this thing, he says, I think he says something like, the for itself is a worm in the heart of being. Isn't that what he says? Something yes. like that? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, no, here, nothingness lies coiled in the heart of being like a worm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So how did, where did that worm come from? Like if, <laughs> if you know, like if, if, if the in itself yeah. just is what it is, then how did the for itself ever emerge in the first place? And I think, I don't know, was it God? I mean, like, what mm. is the, don't you, like, Adam? I don't, I mean, I don't know. Like, what is the, I don't, I, I don't think he has any, any, and because he's a phenomenologist, I don't think he even thinks it's a question we could ever address because it doesn't come up in experience. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. I, I, I think that's, uh, I mean, the, this book that, like, works through, like, so clearly from the premise, I think the, the duelist you were searching for that we, that might quibble with being a duelist was Baju. We said was was oh right 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 he would be really Deleuze would have Deleuze would be would embrace being classed as in multiplicity I think yeah 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 yeah, yeah, I think that's um but but yeah I think with um so yeah this this uh like the the human I it's it's really interesting like this is a book this is a, a book um that is uh quite learn learned and uh expansive on what it means to be to 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 live as a human but there's no idea of the human in the book right 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 like how does the human form how does the subject emerge i just i don't yeah i don't i don't get that i mean i really love the way he describes subjectivity like he says i don't know part of this part two i think he says the for itself is diasporic right like it's mm. it's always uprooted and i think that's it's just so great and i think that you know or human reality is the way that we have value in the world yeah i think that's really good that uh, first line is is so influenced Deleuze, by the way like for in the cinema books like you think oh, about what he thinks freedom I is i know yeah i know but yeah yeah but of course isn't there a difference and i think this is a really i i'm, I'm sort of taken by this point like isn't there a difference between being uprooted and being nomadic. Like I think mm, like I think that's the yeah, difference yeah, yeah. between Sartre and Deleuze, right? Like nice. Nicely for, put. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. Nicely put. I was complimenting. Oh, nice. I, I didn't that's, hear that's what a you nice said. that's okay. a no, yeah, yeah. It's a yeah, uh, nice nice, uh, nice division. Yeah. So because I think that, that the uprooted, the diasporic quality of the Sartrean cogito or Sartrean for itself or Sartrean subject mm-hmm. is is it, it's constantly, ex- and this is, I think, the difference. It's constantly experiencing its uprootedness, whereas the no- Deleuze's nomad is just free-flowing and doesn't have that constant experience of negativity. I mean, that's, all, that's the big difference, right? Like, Sartre's a philosopher where negativity is everything. And Deleuze right, is a right, philosopher right. Where, where negativity is nothing, right? Like, that's a, I mean, <laughs> right, I mean, right. The one thing that's kind of interesting is they both have a origin problem, right? Like Sartre can't explain mm. the origin of negative, the origin of subjectivity. He doesn't mm. try to, and Deleuze, for his part, I don't think can explain how we ever started talking about negativity in the first place, right? Mm. Like, mm. like, like, why did we fall into the illu- okay? Negativity is just an uh, an illusion. Why did we ever fall into it? 
if it wasn't yeah. for negative the actual existence of negativity, right? Like so, I think it's interesting that they both have, in a way, the same this problem of origin, and I think it's related to this dualism that mm-hmm. that maybe inhabits both of them. That's interesting. That's interesting. I think that's right. I mean, it's also that also reminds me a little bit. Like, there's there's some Baudrillard in there, and so he makes. Yeah. So what, yeah. what he does is he makes it like the origin was taken away, like that. That's kind of what the perfect crime is about. Yeah, yeah. Is that yeah. we actually can't? So like like there like Deleuze would have no way to to theorize the the origin of how we fell into to negativity because that's been right. that's been taken away. Sorry, yeah, has no way, w- no way. I'm just I'm just explaining. That's what. No, I understand. That's, that's, that's I understand. That point would have been. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right about him. That's why he's a he's a pipsqueak as a thinker, right? Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, that was so mean. Uh, oh, I know people are invested in him. Even our friend Michael Downs is. So, so I should. Yeah, have said no, that. it's just really funny. I don't think mm. in the history of the podcast you've used the word pipsqueak. So I, 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 I don't think like, I have. Right, I, it's not a word yeah, that's often I often use. But I want to I want to think about a film I saw yesterday last night, which is called The Menu, okay. which I I, okay. I thought was quite good with Ray Fiennes, and it's about mm-hmm. a bunch of rich people that get invited to this greatest dinner, greatest restaurant in the world, and it's on an island, and then they're all targeted, and you could say they're mm-hmm. targeted for death. And uh, I won't say how it ends, but um, it's interesting because several violent and horrific acts happen in the course of the dinner, and people keep people continue to eat their dinner and act like they're like it's okay, right? Like it's it's like it's amazing how oh how how that's that's very discreet charm of the bourgeoisie, isn't it? Very much right, right, yeah. right. Yeah. There you go. There's a yeah. great. There's a maybe a better example of it. So, but the the point is that like nothing, although discreet charm is also about their. The, the failure to do the anything right like in this mm-hmm. film they really eat the meal like they like all the yeah. courses are served right even though there's like a, a guy kills himself during one like they're just like okay time to but because they're so invested in that symbolic position i guess mm. discreet charm is kind of about this too right like they're so invested in a certain symbolic position that they can't Act otherwise than to follow, like they're 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 to- they're so alienated from their own freedom that they can't, or they're mm. how would Sartre put it maybe that they're alienated from their alienation, like they're alienated yeah. from their for itselfness. They think of themselves as, a, as an in itself, as an in itself only. Like it, it's um, that's another thing that influences Lacan because that that his you know the great line my students love this that like you don't you don't pity the madman who thinks he's a king you think you pity the king who thinks he's a king. Right. Like that, right, you right. know, and I think that's the... That's why that's he the, likes Edward, right? Even though he was a fascist, because he's like, right. he's a king who didn't believe he was really a king, and he just abdicated, right. or he did refuse the throne, right? Right, right. So, yeah, yeah, Refu- refusing yeah. the... Sim- but then I, I suppose there, there'd be the other thing where um, Edward being overly invested in the symbolic, the, the next symbolic identity as, as Edward, like that was very much a thing he was he was into, and, and tried to to be come king with this deal with with Hitler like that was a real that's right real that's thing, right you know? that's right yeah that's right so so but it but the idea 
the idea of a king refusing the crown. Yeah, I mean, I just know Lacan was nice. taken by him personally, probably because he was a fascist. But who probably because he was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's e- easy to speculate. Lacan, friends of Francisco Franco, probably, mm-hmm. probably, probably was uh, yeah. for for that reason. But again, it's yeah. at the level of idea. It's not at the level of person, as we right. talked right. about earlier. Right. In this right. thing, um, right. there was another thing. There was another thing that I that um that I wanted to get to, and so this is uh, going to tie into the thing. You love the translation, the Hazel Hazel Barnes. I do. I wanted to say one word about that. So it was recently retranslated. Yeah. Translated, and I've I've read it a few times, and I haven't even looked at the new translation, but I've read it in French and then read it in in like side by side, and and I think it's pretty great. I think it's pretty great. Mm. So I I think this is one of those cases where what are you doing? Like there, it's like creating a, <laughs> you know, like it's like like you know, being in time was really mm. really well translated by uh, John Macquarie, and I think the guy's name is Edward Robinson. In 1962, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. Joan Stambaugh, who I think is great and a great translator, she retranslates it in mm-hmm. like around 2000, maybe a little earlier, yeah, 90s maybe. And mm-hmm. I just was like, you know, what is why? And then it turned mm-hmm. out that her translation had these pro- different problems, and she had to issue a second edition of the translation. Oh, wow. But <laughs> but I was I was talking to I I was publishing with SUNY State. University of New York Press at the time. And I was talking to the editor there and he's like, you know, for us it was it was great. Like this was our best selling book ever. So I think it's a ca- uh, okay. I think it's a case where translators and presses are trying to create a market for something that doesn't need to have a market created for it. But I think it's that's a nice nice example of late stage capitalism, right? Yeah. Like you, yeah. You yeah. Or any stage of capitalism. But uh, I mean, the, one, I should say that since we've talked about her in this episode, the Simone de Beauvoir, I don't think the translation is superb, but the first one was incomplete. So this mm. this one at least is is uh, they it definitely needed to be done. So that's a different case. Well, there's a there's a nice. So the, there's a, uh, a very important. And I wonder if in the new edition if they if they uh if they change this but uh there's a a translator's note um on page 57 and it's a really important one because it uh, establishes the way that you read the rest of the text there's this uh so she explains um that she's going to translate uh, a certain uh transitive verb it it seems uh in the into the passive voice Okay. So she's going to say that nothingness is made to be. And she's going to do this throughout this, like, so the, this idea that nothingness is made to be like, so to, to do that, I think in, um, in the English is really, really important. And I like, I, I mean, you just tell me like, how do you read that from the French? Because to me, that was, that, that's a tremendously important, she, she goes through like the ways that she could have translated it, but she, but she thought, that nothingness was uh, is made to be is the that that's I kind of like that. I mean, I think it's in yeah. keeping with the I, idea of the book, right? Like, yeah, that's what that's what I that's right. How like that's the whole trajectory. Is that the for yeah. itself acts on the in itself and make and and in in the process nothingness is it is, becomes is being be, right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I I don't I think that's perfectly in keeping with the Sartre and the whole project of the book. That does I don't think there's a problem there. Yeah, mm. but I mean, maybe that was one of the, you know, the only other issue, and I don't know how it was translated, is anguish, right? Because sure, because French actually has a word for, and this is it's actually interesting because Lacan's anxiety seminar, no one even makes this as a comment, but but the French word for anxiety is angoisse, 
but mm-hmm. there's also a French word for anxiété, right? Like th- there's a yeah. literal, it's just transliterated, anxiety. Probably, I don't know where does it come from, Latin, I don't know. Um, but so, so that's why there is an argument for making angoise into anguish, but mm. no one translates. I mean, I think Lacan clearly has an idea of, of anxiety, but, but you could easily make the argument that Sartre is talking about anxiety when he's talking about anguish here. You know? mm. Is that um, Colette Solaire talks about this with um, like this, oh, this thing? Her the, the, this, Lacanian affects yeah. book? Yeah. 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 Um, which is pretty good. I it's a good, yeah, in, uh, yeah, in grad school. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so, but yeah, this this thing, it's important to. It's another one of these things. Like I, I do find, I just, I do think it's a little, like just a little sad. Like, like for for Lacan, Sartre is so great and so important, and Sartre a, d- d- could not care less. Like it's, it's so yeah, it's, yeah, it's a one, yeah, yeah. it's a one way, it's a one. They way did know each other though. There's a picture. Yeah. I don't know. If you can even look at it online if you put in Lacan and Sartre and click on images. Mm-hmm. This will be the first thing that comes up. They. They were at there. I think they're with Picasso, even Picasso and Camus, okay. uh, maybe like and de Beauvoir. It's like it's incredible. Like all these people were together at the same time. Uh, I think they're yeah. at some theater thing or something. So it's uh, so they did know each other, but they. If I don't looking, think. Yeah, go ahead. Oh no no no! You, you go. I was gonna. I was uh, gonna say I don't think they were friends. The theoretical so. thing. I don't think they're friends. No yeah. no yeah. no. But you can if you want to find the page numbers of of like like it's a one from one thirty five to one thirty seven. You get you get these lines. Uh, it is only in the human world that there can be lacks. The existence of desire as a human fact is sufficient to prove that human reality is a lack. Yeah. Desire is a lack in being. Like, it's like yeah. that's yeah. It's very that's very clear. Like, very, it's clear. very, very, clear. very, very yeah. clear. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, Lacan was reading closely. I think he, he was, was very much closely. reading closely. Yeah. Um, so, uh, with it, so, we, uh, final word uh, at the uh, for the first for the first half of the book. Todd, I want to get your final word. Final we... word. Well, yeah. interesting. I, I think that the final word is that there are two words always for him. Like there's, <laughs> there's, there's this divide. This, I think the final word is this fundamental divide, right? Like this fundamental okay. divide. And Sartre wants to stay on one side of it. And I think he's... Con- so all the things that we talked about, I think, are about that same idea. Like bad mm-hmm. faith, the unconscious... The past, all these things are part of the the way in which we go over to the in itself, and I think he wants mm-hmm. to try to do whatever he can to stay on the side of the for itself because that's the side where you're aware of your freedom. So I think mm-hmm. I think that to, to end with freedom and the for itself, I think is the key is the key thing. What about you? Okay. Um, well, uh, for me, I I want to just I want to just put this uh, because it'll pay dividends actually i might todd i might do some reading okay okay yeah some some extended reading i'm just gonna this is this will pay uh this will pay dividends later um i need to find it so todd mentioned uh one uh section uh it where sartre uses the uh, cafe as his uh and he uses the uh you know the um the waiter who really thinks he's a waiter uh as as his example so let me see here. The, there's there's another there's an earlier uh, section of the cafe. I'm furiously moving through this book. I'm trying to find. I'm trying to find where he meets number. Pierre in the cafe. Well, he doesn't meet Pierre. Or he doesn't meet Pierre, the, right? <laughs> he doesn't meet. That's the that's the important thing is that he yeah. doesn't meet Pierre, and it's uh, it's going to pay some dividends for us in 
two or three episodes. So I can't find it right now, but maybe it's something that would come back to. It might actually make more sense to do later. But there, the he he casts this really nice scene. It's like so. It's beautiful, poetic. Like yeah. he, he, you know, there's there's a haze probably because people are smoking right. in this cafe, and uh, and there's sounds. Okay, like the like people like the glasses clinking together, and and you know he feels himself on the ground. And he's, he's his friend Pierre. I'm just going to describe it because I can't find it. I can't read it. Yeah. His friend Pierre is going to be there at 1215. And Sartre, let's just call him JP for the, yeah. for the fictional protagonist in this yeah. example. JP is 15 minutes late. Yeah. So he goes to the cafe 15 minutes late. And he stands around. And he is looking for Pierre. And he doesn't find him. Now, he does this really great. He has this really great example. There are all kinds of people who are also not at the cafe. Like, you know, let's just use contemporary. Bill Belichick is not at the cafe. No. Uh, no. Tom, Tom Brady, not at the cafe. No. Uh, you, you know, if, if, Tom Cruise, not at the cafe. But he didn't expect him to be there. He wasn't going to meet them there. And the important thing is, despite all this activity, all of this, like, all this stuff going on, what is created is an absence. Right. So... This this expectation he had to meet his friend at a certain time, and he goes in the cafe and he scans around there. But th- these people, like the the experience of like the stranger's face, I think is like is really interesting, and I think it's it's something that's like implicit in this is like that person is just like they're just background to you. They're it's just like like I I, I on my computer I just use the stock images for the background right. that, that goes. I don't I don't have a, a personal one, but you know sometimes. Uh, like like stock photos right when you buy like a picture frame right and they're just like they're people but it's no one you know and so you don't you don't even really see them as people a little bit so there's all of that experience and then pierre is not there and pierre's absence is to the absence is made to be okay the the nothingness appears right through through this mix of expectation and this ground he wants he wants to establish this this like this ground in the cafe that uh from all these all these people are there and what he's trying to draw out is that there is this like there is this original negativity at work and pierre not being there highlights it i think that's that's how i'm absolutely uh, reading reading that scene yeah so that so that's going to pay dividends much later with a completely different example, but I just want to put that, put that out there. That's a great point. And it's also not being made to be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's a great point about the for itself injecting nothingness into this just in itself. Right. Like it's yes. Like the nothingness is what he searching for start searching for Pierre injects into the scene. Yes, absolutely. That's pretty good. So I think the lesson is, you know, it's a tough one because I think you brought Mm -hmm. up maybe a better, Example of 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 the oh. abandonment of freedom and the <laughs> existence of bad faith, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so we want to go with uh, before I we think... before we do this. I, I want before we do this and, and officially sign off. I want because I meant to say this. So this is the this is our first episode of the new year, and uh, as many people know, just from like having apps and things on their own devices, um, the we we got a um, we got a podcasters. Uh, uh, unwrapped like with all these like numbers and things from Spotify. And I don't want to get into what the numbers are, but one thing that, that was made very, very clear to us is that um, our listeners are activists in sharing this podcast with other people. And I just wanted to take a minute in the new year in 2023 to thank you all for doing that. 
because that means a lot to both of us. So thank you for sharing the for sharing the podcast. And now we're gonna get to uh, the the lesson, which is so I lesson. believe I I think we're I pretty think pretty. Pretty aligned on this discreet charm of the bourgeoisie. Yeah, watch discreet charm of the bourgeoisie. It's pretty great, and I think it does show that they have a certain charm. So, <laughs> I, I quite agree with that. All right, over and out, Ryan. Over and out, Todd.